We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. episode 22 of lion legacy so jared i know our our audience can't see you but i see you and looks like you have a new podcasting studio i do i think this is the third one since we started lion legacy i started out in philadelphia and i spent some time in puerto rico escaped the winter which was a very wise move i must say and now i am in new york city it was actually Which the is, fourth then, technically, because you were in New Jersey for a time. That's true. I did stay in New Jersey for a time with my sister and my brother-in-law, who is also a Penn Stater. But now I am on number four. So I, I think and I hope that this will be the, the last podcasting studio of 2021, unless I take this on the road for a vacation. <laughs> Speaking well, of vacation, though. I, yeah, I was on a, a little vacation. We got a bridge the days between when the kids school ends and when the summer camp starts i was up with the family for for a few days last week up in stowe vermont talk about a beautiful it was just nice to get away it was i hadn't been up there since i was a kid so essentially a first time being there where you can appreciate it just really nice to be outdoors very chill loved the little town there plenty to see and do and eat and drink it was just nice to get away and so we're on this tour uh, of one of the spots where they make the maple syrup and wouldn't you believe there was a guy on the tour? There was only maybe four families, five families on the tour. One of the guys has a Penn State sweatshirt on. So get to talking with him, of course, and turns out he's not a Penn Stater, but one of his daughters graduated from Penn State. We are everywhere. We are everywhere. And did you, you tell him about Lion Legacy? I didn't have a chance. It was just in passing. Although I have to say, I do feel the need. I don't know if you do, Jared, as well. But when I see Penn Staters, right, I mean, I'm in suburban Philadelphia. So, you know, there's Penn Staters all over the place. If I had like a business card or like a flyer or something, be like, here, check out my podcast. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should yeah. go to the Penn State football games and just go to tailgate to tailgate and hand out these flyers. I think people think? think we're nuts. We can enlist our friend Andy. Andy, Andy, we're signing you up. <laughs> signing you up. You're gonna get you're gonna be our our free marketer. We're going to just send him a pack of like 10,000 business cards with. He, he doesn't Lion know Lakes yet Park. until he hears this episode, but we're signing <laughs> him up. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of this episode. Yes. Why don't you tell us about our good friend, Rob Lawless? What a cool story. So Rob uh, started up this project. The project is, a, it's like the true definition of the word. It's also his, his, uh, his job right now. I started up Rob's 10K friends. I actually, I remember reading an article some years ago about Rob and his project. And I just started following along on, on social media. So Rob set out some years ago to meet 10,000 new people and spend an hour with them each. And he documents it on Instagram. I think he's on Facebook. He talks about it on LinkedIn, all the social main social channels about all the people he meets, what their journey is. It's really cool. I used to meet people in person and pivoted, obviously, like many of us during the pandemic, meets everybody on Zoom now. And uh, he tells us what his career was before Rob's 10K friends, how he started up the project, what he's trying to get out of it, some of the people he's met, what he's trying to do with it in the future. You know, he's got it all laid out. He's got all these ideas. And it's just, I mean, it's pretty wild. I think about, 
I don't know about you, Jared, but I, I feel like I have a dozen friends. And here, this guy's meeting like 10,000 people. It's a fascinating story. I just yeah. loved, loved hearing about it. It's just one of those ideas you're like, you would think of maybe on a late Friday night, and then he is actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's it's super admirable too, how he's just, he's built up this network and he's connecting people and he's just, and he's got a good memory too. I, th I think he meets with everybody, doesn't really write down any notes and then is able to spit out a blurb uh, when he writes it up on the social channel. He's got 10,000 new friends and we've got a new one in him. Enjoy the episode. Rob Lawless. All right. Let's welcome Rob Lawless, 2013 Penn State graduate majoring in finance with minors in accounting and entrepreneurship. At Penn State, Rob was quite active. He was a Lion ambassador and also involved in Dance Marathon, Homecoming, and Habitat for Humanity. This is one is a little bit different, as Rob is the founder of Rob's 10K Friends and is on a mission to meet 10,000 different people one-on-one -on -one for an hour conversation. Rob, we are so interested in learning more about this very unique and exciting mission of yours. Welcome to Lion Legacy. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, always a, a fun time to connect with other Penn Staters, so I'm more than happy to do so. Absolutely. Rob, so let's work through your background first. So you graduated from Penn State. You started your career in the consulting world working for Deloitte. Then you made your way over in a sales position with RJ Metrics. And then you came up with the idea somewhere along the way for Rob's 10K Friends. Tell us about where that idea come from. How did you think it up? What was the inspiration behind it? A lot of the inspiration was my time at Penn State. I mean, Jared, uh, awesome introduction. Thank you for that. Mentioned I was involved in a lot of clubs and activities. So when I was a student, I built this really organic network of friends. And I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but for me, this campus of 40,000 people became very small. I started to run into people on the way to class or out at the bars. And that was something that I really enjoyed. It drove a lot of my personal fulfillment. So when I left school and I started doing consulting for Deloitte, I was like, okay, now I'm behind these four walls of this cubicle and I'm staring into a computer screen for 12 hours a day. I'm not running into people that I knew. And so I wanted to change that. And having minored in entrepreneurship, always wanted to create my own path in life. And when I thought about it, I was like, I think this would be the coolest path to create, to try to meet 10,000 people and just see what comes of it, because I got so much fulfillment out of it when I was a student, just organically meeting people. What happens if you become more intentional about that? So yeah, started this in November of 2015 and have been at it ever since. Took it full time in July of 2016, which we can chat about, but a lot of it was driven by my, my time at Penn State and wanting to, yeah, create my own path in life. Very cool. And how'd you land on the number of 10,000? So like, what is there a significance in that number as opposed to some other number of friends? I thought it would turn heads. I wanted it to be a big thing. And there's a concept uh, by Seth Godin. He's a marketer. He has a book called The Purple Cow which honestly I've never read, but I, the concept <laughs> of it is if you're driving down the street, you pass a farm and you see a cow, you're not going to think twice. But if you're driving down the street and you see a purple cow, you're going to want to get out and observe it and be like, hey, what's going on with this cow? Why is it purple? So for me, if I met one new person, it wouldn't really do anything. It'd be like a cool experience that I had. If I met a hundred new people, it'd be 
a cool New Year's resolution, if I met a thousand, a nice side project. But for me, 10,000 was something that turned it into a career and something that made people stop and say, wait, why is this guy 10,000? That's a really daunting number. How's he going to go about doing that? Why does he want to do it? It also gave me time to grow it into something. It gave the, the project time to evolve. And that's something that I, I really like about it. I've been at it for five and a half years. I probably have about five, 10 years left. So it's really like a full-time investment. I think if I met an average of three people every single day with no days off, it would take 9.7 years. And that is what I wanted my legacy to be as this project of connection and making it 10,000 allowed me to do that. That's amazing. And where are you as of today when we're recording this? What's your number? 4,300. And I'm going to pull up my note here to check. The last person I met was number 4,337. Okay. So almost halfway there. Almost halfway there. I should hit halfway next spring. And I used to meet every single person in person. The first 3,259 people, every single one of them was in person. And then the pandemic hit and I took it virtual and have met over a thousand people virtually since then, which has been this nice, really beautiful twist and turn of the project. But yeah, the original plan was everyone in person. Obviously I couldn't do that. So we pivoted, but all in all over 4,300 people at this point. So let's talk about that. And actually we have a question that is submitted by a student. We've got a great partnership with the Daily Collegian. And I'm sure you remember picking up that paper and reading it on a on a daily basis. So not only alums listen to this podcast, but we have a great student audience each week. The daily collegian collects student questions. And this week, Sam Humes, a senior studying accounting. So you studied accounting as well, wants to know how has your experience with this initiative to encourage human connection been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah. Initially I put it on pause and was thinking, okay, so we're going to have this two-week lockdown, right? And then we're all going to come back and life is going to be normal. So I thought, I'll put it on pause. And in the meantime, I'll share some of the more inspirational stories of people that I've met in the past that helped me put life in perspective. And then when it it didn't go that way, actually, I was talking with another Penn State alum. His name is Chris Ulmer. He runs a really awesome project or organization, whatever you want to call it, called Special Books by Special Kids. And he interviews individuals with rare diagnoses from around the country. And he and I connected through my project and we've kept in touch ever since. I was talking about going virtual and whether or not I wanted to do it. And he said, I I think it would be nice to go virtual because I think what we're dealing with are times that are similar to historical significance as the Great Depression. And I think to document these times would be doing a service for other people. So that was the push that encouraged me to take it virtual. And in March, I think it was like March 20th of 2020, I I posted a little thing on my Instagram account and said, hey, I'm going virtual. So if you want to meet virtually, then shoot me a a DM. And I had over 200 people message me within those first 24 hours. And uh, a lot of people that had followed me from other countries that never thought they were going to have the opportunity to be part of my project then became part of it. And what happened over the last year is I met people from over 80 different countries around the world and really expanded my international perspective. And I'm so grateful for the perspective that I've had over the last year, because I think so many of us going through the pandemic in a really isolated manner, for me, it was very much the opposite. I was going through talking to people in India, talking to people in Iran, Brazil, 
Germany, all these different countries. And we're always talking about what is the lockdown like in your country? I learned things like South Africa banned alcohol and they had like a three hour time window that they were able to, to go out. In Panama, guys were able to go out for a two hour time window based on their government ID on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And then girls were able to go out Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. So I was learning how each different country was handling the pandemic. But I think the biggest thing was the comfort that knowing everyone, literally everyone around the world was going through this together. So it's really expanded my perspective. And that's something that I've gotten through the project from the beginning until now. But the last thousand people really just internationally, a huge perspective from that lens. Like it just many different countries that I'd never had talked to people from before. So it's, it's certainly a fortunate pivot, those silver linings of the pandemic that you were able to expand your scope. And, and like you said, meet all these people around the world that you never thought would be a part of the project, or they never thought they'd be a part of your project. And so it leads into the next question of eventually, knock on wood, this will hopefully all be behind us, right? And so is your plan to continue with these virtual conversations, or would you prefer to go back to maybe you travel around a little bit, meet people in person, or does it end up being a little bit of both? I think it will definitely be a little bit of both because I was approaching it from such a purist approach where I was like, every single person is going to be in person. I'm not going to meet people virtually because then I could just do the whole project from my bedroom, which is ironically what I've done over the last year. <laughs> but I now that I have crossed that barrier and I've seen the value in it, okay, well, now I think my plan is I would love to do two days of in-person meetings, two days of virtual meetings with people from around the world. And I would love to learn a little bit more about videography and video editing and save Friday for one person. Doing an activity with one specific person, capturing that, doing a little bit more of an in-depth look at their story and the activity that we do together and putting that out as a weekly YouTube series. That's something that I would really enjoy doing. From my Instagram, I share a picture with everyone. Now I share a, a one minute clip, which is another thing that I've gotten from this time of connecting with people over Zoom. And I would like to move more into video in the future because I think it's nice to see a picture and to read a story. But if you think about the world today, TikTok is huge, YouTube is huge, TV's always been huge. So I think video is a much more compelling storytelling uh, channel. A bit of a two-part question. What are some of the common themes, despite the diverse range of speakers, beyond just what you mentioned with, with COVID? And then are there a few friends that stand out more than others? I know that's a, it's probably a very tough question. Yeah, I think the common themes that I see, one I always talk about is that no one really knows what they're doing with their lives. Everyone is just doing the best they can with the resources that they have. And I think you could say, okay, recent Penn State grads who are now going out into the real world, they probably have a lot of insecurity. They're probably going to have somewhat of a difficult transition. Maybe for some people, it'll be seamless. I know for myself, it, it was difficult going from this, this place where I really had fun every single day to going into the, those cubicles and that professional environment. And I didn't know how to handle that. We're all learning at the rate of experience. And the same thing could be said for starting a podcast. I'm sure when you guys started the podcast, there's so much that you have to figure out. Oh, let's edit it in this way. And how do you actually publish it to this site? Okay, this is how you do it. So 
I, I think that I've just learned that we are all going through life with uncertainties and insecurities. And that's not something that I was really conscious of before, because I think a lot of us tend to think of our own insecurities. And then we think about the people around us as having their lives together or having figured out what they want to do. And when it comes to stories that stick out to me, there's one recently, a guy that I met who he's about, I'm 30 years old. He, I think he was 29 years old. And his younger brother has Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And the average life expectancy for people with that condition is 26 years old. And his younger brother just turned 26 within the past couple of weeks. So his whole motivation through life was, okay, I'm going to go work really hard at school. I'm going to get into a really good school. I'm going to get a very good job. I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to put it into research to fund drug research that could save my brother's life. So dude goes to Cornell, works for two years after school, gets into Harvard for his MBA. He's at Harvard. And while he's there, he's realizing, okay, I don't have enough time to just go out and make money and put it into research for other people to figure this out. So he took it upon himself to try to create a drug to save his brother's life. And he's currently in the process of doing that. What they did is they took a biopsy of his brother's muscle, which he said is like, if they can understand the lock, they can figure out how they need to make a key for it. So they did that. They corrected his cells in a Petri dish, and then they did a mouse study that went well. And now the drug is in development. It's supposed to be finished this June. Then he's going to go through FDA approval and all of that good stuff and hopefully administer the drug to his younger brother by the end of this year, early next year. Which for me is mind blowing because it's like, anyone can just go out and decide to create a drug to save their brother's life. I didn't know that, but I guess it's like Gandhi said, right? It'd be the change you wish to see in the world, something like that. But speaking with him was an incredible conversation because I think for myself doing this project, I have put off dating, I've put off having a savings account, a house, things like that. Some of these traditional milestones that we tend to reach for after school. And I know it can be stressful sometimes because I feel like all of my time has to go into the project. If I don't give it to the project, it's not going to progress and it's not going to get to where it needs to go. This guy is doing the same exact thing, but the stakes are so much higher for him. If I were to fail at this, what do I do? I go back to Deloitte or something like that. I try to get a nine to five job where I have a good salary. If he fails, his brother loses his life. And I just can't imagine having that pressure. Like, how do you try to get into a relationship when you know that's pulling time away from you creating a drug to save your brother's life? And it was one of the most noble causes that I have come across throughout my project. And I was just extremely impressed with, with his will to go and do that and how far he's come with it so far and super, super rooting for him to succeed. That's amazing. Thank you for for sharing that. I can certainly see why that story among others would stand out. And yeah, just, I, I can't even imagine, <laughs> but good for him. And, and thank you for sharing that. The next question we have for you, Rob, is did you find yourself developing uh, friendships with any of the, the folks that you've met with? Yeah. The nice thing is before the pandemic, I used to run into people in Philadelphia, Los Angeles, New York City, the three cities that I did the project in person. I would run into people that I'd previously met all the time. And the crazy thing is I would run into people in LA that I'd met in Philly. I would run into people in New York City that I met in LA. I ran into a guy in Seattle. I was at a brewery with a friend and I ran into a guy that I met in Philly. So I was having these casual run-ins with people, but I also have people that I've kept in touch with. I follow everyone that I meet on Instagram. So 
we're in touch that way. A lot of times if I do something cool, I'll get messages from them. If they do something cool, I'll send them a message. But I also have become good friends with some of the people that I've met. One of the girls I met, she was within the first hundred people. She was introduced to me through this other guy that I met, Z, who's a Penn State graduate, who was becoming a friend of my brother's at the time. I had never met him, so my brother introduced me to him. And then Z introduced me to his friend, Karen. She had come down from New York City to Philly for a going away party that he had. Her and her husband live a block away from my brother and sister-in-law in New York City. They're like best friends now. They were a pod throughout the pandemic. They were the people that they would see. Last summer before the pandemic, we were all supposed to go to Albania because Karen's husband, Eddie, is from Albania. So we were going to go there to see his country. He was going to show us around. And when I think of Karen, I don't think of 10K Friends Project. I just think of Karen. And I think that's really cool. And I have that with other people that I've met through the project as well, where it's like they become these characters in my life. And then there are some people that I've met and I haven't talked to or seen since. And that's totally fine with me as well. So you're not only having these conversations, but you're also sharing a lot on social media. So for people who are following along, like Ross or myself, what are some of those kind of overarching learnings or key lessons you want people to come away with? It doesn't need to be on a specific conversation you're having with the person, but what are those major takeaways you want us to, to think about? I think that each person has depth to their lives and depth to their stories. My favorite word is sonder. In short, it's like the realization that each person around you is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. And it's really easy to forget that when we get overwhelmed with our own stories, because we're the main character, right? As the kids say these days, we uh, are going through our stories and not paying attention to what other people have been through or, or the stress that they're dealing with because we have our own stress. But what I've gained from talking to people for an hour is realizing that everyone has a childhood. Everyone has a family dynamic, whether their parents are together or separate, whether they have siblings or only children. Everyone has an education that they've gone through where maybe they were the popular kid in high school or maybe they hated their high school. Some people went on to college, others didn't, but we all had this type of education. Now this occupation of working and they have dreams of where they want to go for the future. And every single person boils down into these categories. And this is something that came across my plate because I wrote an article in 2019, how to meet 12 new people in 2019 just a framework to be like, hey, if you want to meet one new person a month this year, here's how I would go about doing it. And I posted it to Reddit and someone said, post this to the subreddit social skills. So I posted it there and one of the comments said, this reminds me of the Ford method of conversation, which stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. And I guess I would hope other people take away when they read through the stories that I write is it doesn't matter if this person is a 16 year old from New Zealand or if this person is a 50 year old from Estonia they have a family they have a, an occupation they have recreation and they have dreams and I think it's easy to forget that sometimes but that's one of the biggest things that I've learned and I think it's made me realize that we're all just much more human and much more chill than people are made out to be it's interesting right because I find myself following that Ford method, even when I'm meeting new people from a work perspective, you're like, hey, tell me about your family or tell me about your career path or what did you do this weekend? And so it's interesting. I never heard of it called Ford, but makes complete sense there. 
yeah, it's a really nice thing. And as I continue doing my project, I'm starting to try to move into public speaking. And one of the things that I want to do is educate college students on this framework and really help them understand their own stories and how they can use the same questions that they ask of themselves to get to know other people. I think just forming connections in, in college is huge. And then going into interviews and stuff when the interview says, tell me about yourself. And you're like, bam, I got it all down right here. <laughs> you sound so much more confident. And I know this because I talked to people for an hour and I can't understand what their story was. And other times people have it down. We know a university that I think you can take your teachings to, right? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love that. So Rob, you, you referred to what you're doing, this whole 10K Friends as, as a project. But ultimately, though, you left your prior careers to spend all of your time doing it. And so I guess you're attempting to make a career out of it, so to speak. And so I guess that leads into the question of, have you been able to monetize any aspect of Rob's 10K Friends? Or what's involved there for you to be able to help pay the rent or you know have money to invest in the future of the project? Yeah, I have been able to monetize it so far. Back in March of 2017, in the early days, the really cool thing was it was just companies from Philadelphia that would be part of my project and they would say, I wish we could support you in some way. And I'd say, hey, you can. So <laughs> I thought I would have monthly sponsors. Like March of 2017 was this company, Fishtown Pharmacy, a mom and pop pharmacy in Fishtown, Philadelphia, where the guy and I were literally having a beer for our meeting. And he said, I wish I could support you. And I told him how I was trying to have a sponsor and I would tag them in every post for the month and I would put presented this month by Fishtown Pharmacy at the end of every caption. And I was like, if you want to give me $200, I'll do that for you this month because it's already March 10th. And he said, I'll give you $300 and we'll call the deal. And that's how it was with people sponsoring the project because I started posting about that. And then I got a message from Vibe Urgent Care, which at the time was a new urgent care center in Philadelphia. And the owner was like, hey, we're new to the city. We're trying to get the word out about us. What's the deal with your partnership? And I told him, and so he sponsored me for the next month. And because I was posting about him, my dentist, who was a guy that I met through my project, said, why didn't you ask me to sponsor? You know I would have sponsored you. And so he sponsored <laughs> me for the following month. And then it was a leadership program run by a woman who was part of my project. So it just became this random mix. And these were all small partnerships. So I was still overall losing money. I was living in Philly at the time, still paying rent, living with two of my friends from Penn State. And as the project grew, I started to take on bigger partnerships. I had a nine-month partnership with WeWork, the co-working space. And that was the, the biggest one to date, where they were paying me to meet people at their locations one day out of every week. So I was showing off their spaces through my Instagram stories and just talking about them in general, because they were literally the way that I was able to continue doing my project. So I had some of those bigger partnerships and when the pandemic happened, all of that kind of went away. So that was the downside of it for me was not having that social media partnership support. But that is also when I started to take public speaking more seriously. And now the way that I think about it going forward is I would still love to have partnerships. I would love the majority of what I do to be public speaking because it's just me trading my knowledge for value. And I would love to, to do the YouTube route and just run ads through my channel if it grows to be big enough. So that's what I have in, in mind right now. And then long-term, 
after the project's done, I would love to to get into teaching what I've learned in a university setting. Rob, you mentioned you have partners. We do as well, and we're really fortunate to have Lions Pride on board with us as we move into the Lions Den and start to reminisce about your time at Penn State. Just remember, when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. Rob, we've really enjoyed hearing about what you're doing with the 10K Friends Project. Super impressive. It's just even amazing that you're almost halfway there, and we can't wait to see uh, what happened. You know, who you're all meeting to get up to that 10,000 number. But specific to Penn State, how did your time at dear old state prepare you for this, I guess, maybe the early part of your career. And then ultimately, how did it prepare you for what you're doing now and what you're going to be doing uh, in the future? I think my time at Penn State was the most formative time of my life. I will say I wouldn't have the project if it weren't for my time at Penn State. I was very lucky that my older sister decided to go to Penn State. I was in seventh grade when she moved in to Tenor Hall. And that was the day that I decided I was going to Penn State because while my mom and sister got her dorm room ready, my dad, my brother, and I walked around the campus. And it was exactly what I thought a college campus was supposed to be like. People throwing the Frisbee around, people walking around, everyone wearing Penn State gear. She graduated 2007. My older brother went there. He graduated 2011. And I was 2013. But one of the benefits of my sister going first was she said, I think you should join this committee on THON called Morale because they're all really outgoing and I think that would fit your personality. So I joined Morale, had a blast with it. I did it all three years and then I danced my senior year. And one of the guys that I met freshman year on my Morale committee was this guy, Brett Kesselman, and he was a line ambassador. He said, you got to join line ambassadors, you got to join it. And I thought about it, but then he really pushed me to put in my application and I got in my sophomore year. And that was the biggest thing that I took part in in my time at Penn State. I still, to this day, think that it was the most well-run organization that I have been a part of. And still keep in touch with those people. I'm going to golfing with three line ambassador friends on Monday and and then getting a house with a bunch of them in September for a little reunion. And that was a really big part of just understanding how events work, how things get done. And then I joined the fraternity Beta Theta Pi, and that had a huge impact on my life, not so much at school, but afterwards, because a handful of those guys became really, really good friends of mine to, I consider them to be family in that TJ, who hosted me in Los Angeles is a fraternity brother. Nick, who hosted me in Hoboken is a fraternity brother. And the other guys have given me the mental support to be like, okay, I'm not crazy. I can do this project. That and Habitat for Humanity and and Homecoming, they were all extremely important because that's where I developed socially. That's where I learned to balance fun with academics. That's where I learned the value of connections because I realized how much happiness and fulfillment it brought me. And I really saw that as well once I graduated and saw how it wasn't my class on Iberian civilization that stuck with me. It was the friendships that I had. I credit Penn State with everything as to why I decided to start this project. To me, the value of human connection was really proven in my time there. And that's why I decided, hey, I'm going to go out and and see what what comes of doing it on a a much larger scale. But yes, that is how Penn State impacted me. And I'm incredibly thankful. And I hope any students listening to this think to themselves, okay, I have an opportunity here to create these same friendships that are going to turn into long-term value for my life and really take advantage of that. This is Lion Legacy, and you mentioned your sister and your brother, so give them a little bit of shout-out and tell us what they're up to. My sister, Meg, is 
working for Penn Medicine now. She studied marketing at Penn State. She does marketing for Penn Medicine. She married Frank, my brother-in-law, who's a Penn State graduate. He played hockey on the team back when it was just club hockey. And they have a 10-month-old son together now, my nephew, Andrew. So doing really well. They still live in the Narstown area where I'm originally from. And then my brother, he studied finance and he did consulting for PwC for seven years. And now he's up in New York City with his wife, who he met at Cafe 210 during their senior year. So nice. he, he's got the, yeah, surrounded by Penn State people, which is awesome. And I don't know, I think I was still in school at the time. I remember someone saying, you either have to marry someone who went to Penn State or someone who gets it. That stuck with me. And I'm single, so I think I still need to look at the Penn State pool for my eventual wife. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my brother and sister both ended up doing really well for themselves, found people that are both awesome for their lives and are still a big part of my life as well. We're all very tight. So super thankful for that. Fantastic. Love the Penn State family and connection there. Toughest question of the podcast, favorite Penn State memory? I will say the time that I spent in Line Ambassadors, specifically the first semester of joining, was probably my favorite semester at Penn State because you're learning so much about the university and you're coming into this really proud group of people, like proud in the sense that they have a lot of pride in Penn State and they know a lot about the school and they took their academics very seriously and were super involved on campus but they also knew how to have a good time. I always look back fondly on that. And then as an alumni, one of my friends from Line Ambassadors, Mike, he always had the hookup for tickets to football games. So we were able to go back to football games every year. And I saw some of my best games as an alum, the one where we beat Michigan in overtime. And then of course the Ohio State blocked field goal for the touchdown. That was wild. I Anyone who was at that game I'm sure has the same sentiment towards it, but I remember going crazy during that game and then being down on the field and just running into other people who were alums that you didn't even know were back for the game. That was probably my favorite memory as an alum, just pure elation. So Rob, if you could visit yourself as an 18-year-old freshman, you mentioned how you visited Penn State when your sister was starting, but then eventually you had made up your decision, but you still had those freshman jitters. You arrived at University Park as an 18-year-old. Looking back, what advice would you have given yourself at that point? I would tell myself to be more intentional about connecting with people, which obviously I'm biased towards that, but I think I made a lot of really great natural connections because I'm an extrovert. And I think if I had taken the time to be more intentional of saying, maybe I'm going to try to meet one new person each week during my freshman year, or maybe I'll try to meet one new person each month during my freshman year, I think that would open up even more doors in terms of my perspective and maybe my understanding of the students around me, what people went through to get to Penn State or what they were going through on a daily basis. And I think that's something that I really learned through my project. And maybe that perspective would have been beneficial even back then. Yeah, I think I'm extremely satisfied with the connections I came away with from school. But I think to be more intentional, because I think I'd be in maybe an even greater position than I was when I graduated and like maybe in a better position to make an impact on the campus when I was there, because I would know different people and how to connect them and whatnot. And then the other thing is just to recognize that everyone is nervous. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone is trying to figure out what it's like to be a freshman in a new university to remove a little bit of the pressure from myself. Because like I said, we can go through life thinking that everyone else knows what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to handle the party scene or how they're supposed to handle exams or things like that. But everyone's figuring it out. And I think 
by letting myself know that and letting other people know that they can remove a little bit of that pressure and just go through life a bit more easily and probably as a result more successfully. Spot on. We are all on this journey of figuring it out. We were on that journey figuring it out then and we're still figuring it out now. Yes. How do you feel most connected to the university these days? You obviously did a lot when you were at Penn State. You're obviously very busy now as well. Do you have any connection still with the university in any shape or form? I would say I feel most connected through the people that I'm still in touch with that I graduated with. Because of COVID, I think it was the first time since I was in seventh grade that I haven't gotten to Penn State in a year. Every other year throughout my life, I have been back on campus, whether it was a football game or whether it was for Thon or Blue White Weekend or to celebrate a friend's birthday, something like that. It's the people that have kept me in touch with it. And I think that's why, again, connections are so important. And then I spoke about my project to the Alumni Association. They have a coffee hour and I shared my project there, which was really cool. And I felt honored to have that opportunity. And then I would say even doing stuff like this, like still continuing to connect with Penn Staters, even after graduating, to me is a way of staying connected to the university because I don't have to come into this conversation with you guys feeling like a stranger. I feel like I already know you because we have that bond of going to that school and you have a certain personality and an understanding of what that culture was like when you were there. And I hope that I can get back to start to share a little bit about what I learned with the students and do that as a way of impacting them and helping them prepare for their time at the university and and their time afterwards. So yeah, I would say that those are my ways of staying in touch with it. And to me, the university is like a family member. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I literally see Penn State as like a, a character in my life, a family member, and I care a lot about it. When I was there, I knew I wanted to go be successful in my field because I wanted people to associate a successful person with the university. And that's still something that I feel. So I feel like I'll have those ties long into the future. And then hopefully I'll have some kids that are going there someday and that will be my connection. Yeah. Well, we feel we feel the same way about the university, and we also feel the same way about you in terms of that instant connection that we've had today. And I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering, hey, where could I follow along on Rob's journey? And I know Instagram, it's at Rob's 10K friends, and that's the number one zero K friends. And then the same thing, Rob's 10K friends.com as well. One of the things, right, we ask and we talk a lot about our guests and we, we talk about how they spend their time or how they've spent their time in the past and how they're going to spend their time in the future. But you are about who you spend your time with. And I think that's really interesting, right? Because when you look back on life, when it's all said and done, whenever that is, you're really going to remember the people that you spent your time with and not necessarily the accomplishments that you've had at work, for example. And I think that's just a really good reminder and something that you reminded me about today is make sure that you're having these connections, not only connections with friends and family, but find a way to meet new people because they're going to continue to enrich your life. So thank you on behalf of both of us for really sharing that message and the reminder. And I think everyone who's listening today, I think hopefully are encouraged and inspired to to meet new people and expand and provide insights and guidance and support to new people. And they'll provide that back to you as well. So thanks again for sharing this amazing journey. We will continue to follow along on your mission of 10K. And uh, we always end with, we are. Penn State. 
Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform. 